All right, baby, we back. Get a little closer. Okay, that's what's up. Say something. Let's see. Let's see the sound waves jump. Uh, Mer- I like Merlot. Malbec is good too. Dry I stuff. Like a nice, yeah, it's very dry. That's what's up. <laughs> You've always liked dry wine. Preferred dry wine. Well, initially I preferred like anything that would get me completely hammered. Nice. For like many years. Nice. <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> I had this come to Jesus experience and like almost cold turkeyed everything. When was but, that? Uh, it was when I was 20. Wow. Yeah. I was a drug and alcohol addict from 15 to 20. You start, did you started drinking when you were 15? Yeah. I remember the first time I drank, it was, <laughs> it was at a cast party <laughs> <laughs> for, <laughs> there was a, com- we, I was in a community theater production of, um, I think it was the, the best little whorehouse in Texas. Okay. So it was a bunch of like, 15 year old like boys and girls playing like football players and whores <laughs> and like and then there's these like 50 year old community theater actors like you know like simulating sex with us and stuff and um i mean it was a blast yeah. it was a blast and i i remember i went to the cast party and <clears throat> i had a mike's hard lemonade there did someone did someone like nudge the mics hard into your hands no i mean i was on like i started hanging out with like a bad crowd and we were like uh we would like take pills before school and stuff or whatever so we were already and then we'd like huff shit and whatever so uh we were already i was already kind of like primed for it and then and then that first sip of mike's hard lemonade that's why so you were doing pills before you had your first drink yeah that's incredible um, what you. controls, if I may ask, if that's uh, not too much information? I don't even know. It was like... Tylenol? Like Valium or something. Oh. Okay, that's what's up. So, <clears throat> I remember getting wasted at the cast party, and then I was like, I want to do it again. Yeah. And again. <laughs> and again, and again, and again. Nice. And then by the time I was... That was when I was 15, and by the time I was 17, I was like uh, completely... <laughs> I went to I got arrested six different times for all for alcohol related offenses by the time I was 18 where where were you getting arrested were there like bars Ohio. in your town but no like, like it was like I mean it would be the craziest circumstances like I just ran with this crowd of like really bad kids and like I remember also what genre of bad like what what level of what are we talking about girl yeah say it like just like very poor people like with drugs and you know i'm from a really heavy like meth town mm. so er, meth area and like <clears throat> i'm sure all these people are like uh dead or in jail or something i'm not i'm not judge, i'm not saying this is a judgment i'm just saying like you're that's not what, in contact with any of them i literally i literally text occasionally with one person i went to high school with wow that's it so after you left high school, was it like, uh, did you basically? Yeah. I mean, like it was, um, you know, I went to college and it was like, oh, there's like knowledge and acting. And I mean, I was, I was acting already when I was a kid, but like I got really into drugs and it kind of like waylaid my, um, (laughs) that's why I didn't go to Juilliard when I was 18. Uh, classic, classic recruit story, Um, bro. So, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to any of those people. That's what's up. After this, we should look them up. See what's what. Maybe yeah, we should look them. We should look them up on Facebook. Yo, can I tell you, man? My um, man. So when I was, I hope he's okay with saying this. I won't give any details, but I had a when I was younger, I was very close to my uh, to my cousin, mm-hmm. but uh, he developed like a like a pill problem, and he became like a complete black sheep in the family. Oh. And uh, a couple of days ago, I was thinking about him, and uh, I get a text message from him. Oh wow! Literally, like twenty minutes after. Because nothing bad ever happened between us. Like, he was never, like, violent. He, it was nothing like that. It was just, like, he just really went his own path. Yeah. Um, so he texted me, and um, he was he was super, like, he was like, is it okay if I call you sometime and we just talk? And I was like, yeah, man, of course. And that day, we had, like, we had a conversation, and he was completely changed. Like, oh, it was, like, beautiful. completely, like, he felt so gentle and genuine and like just on his own path it was it was i was i was shocked man i was honestly shocked so maybe that maybe that's them too um i hope so uh i doubt it (laughs) um uh yeah but it was just like a i don't know small town ohio it's like not much to do except like drink and drug around did you know you were gonna act when you were in high school uh, I mean, I've been doing community theater since I was eight years old, mm-hmm. and I was, like, very, very, very into it. Like, <clears throat> I was a horrible student, you know, at school. I think I graduated with, like, a 2.7 mm-hmm. GPA or something. And, um, but then when I was, about, you know, I was I was doing theater all the time, uh, the best little whorehouse in Texas. And, sad. um, and... But then when I was 15, I just like... I'm sorry. The play is literally called The Best Little Whorehouse You've never in heard Texas. of this play? Dude, I'm not cultured. Like, th- my culture I mean, does not, that's not extend exactly, that far. It's a play, and there's a movie... All right. There's a movie of it with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds from the 80s. Okay. And it's where the song I Will Always Love You comes from. Got it. Okay. Because that's a... Whitney Houston covered the Dolly Parton song, I Will Always Love You. Yo, do we live on, like, a fucking hospital <laughs> block? No, dude. It's just people are like, is that an ambulance or a police car? I'm not sure you can tell by the sirens. Um, I think it's a police car. We live in Bushwick. Okay. That's just some. Someone with pink hair, like, <laughs> robbed someone <laughs> else with pink hair. They're like, your hair's purple. <laughs> I'm fucking coming for you. <laughs> like, I'm going to rip your fucking piercing out. All right. So... So you, you were doing community theater your whole life. So in high school. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden when I was 15, like I just like, it's like I took this drink of alcohol and it was like, bye. <laughs> and I was just like gotten so much fucking trouble all the time. Like, um, and then, you know, when I was like 17, whatever, still uh, applying to colleges. And I only, I only applied to two colleges. And I got into the one that gave me a scholarship, so I knew absolutely nothing about like acting schools or anything. It was just like you know. But you were only apl- you were acting you were <clears throat> applying to act. Yes, got it. Even though I hadn't for a while, got it. And I had no real like intention about anything. Were there auditions? Yeah, I auditioned and I got a scholarship, a big scholarship. That's what's up. What what monologue did you do? From the yeah, whorehouse, I the li- Texas whorehouse one. No, bro. I li- yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like the. This is the best little whole house in Texas. <laughs> uh, no, um, I actually did. There's this uh, 
in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yep. You know how you do things that are like completely inappropriate, sure. like for your age and whatever. Sure. Like th- there was this like uh, the monologue at the beginning of one flew over the cuckoo's nest is like this fifty something like ex Indian person that they call like the chief or something like that. Yeah. And that's the monologue I did. You did the chief's monologue. Yeah. <laughs> that would not fly today, dude. Well, oh, you know, I was 17. I like, you know, and nobody cared. Ain't no 17-year-olds auditioning with the chief's monologue from one flew <laughs> well, over the cookies. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I uh, got a scholarship because of that. <laughs> they were like brave, dude. <laughs> He's really going for it. That's just I think that's what I auditioned with. Yeah, that is what I auditioned with, and I, yeah. Did you contemplate other careers? No, I was on drugs. Okay, but when you start, like in college, did, were you thinking about? I had no concept of a career whatsoever, acting or otherwise. I was just going to class and right. like doing, uh, going to parties. Nice. And then when I was twenty, I had this like come to Jesus experience, and then I like really fell in love with acting and became like super actor and, um. Then I overcorrected, and I was like obsessed with my career in my early twenties, and made a bunch of fear-based decisions because I had been completely out of control for so many years mm-hmm. that, like, once I <clears throat> felt what like sort of like sobriety or control, whatever it was, like I became super fearful and got like addicted to control. Mm-hmm. And now I'm somewhere in between. So what was the what was the moment? Like what was the rock bottom? Like looking back on it, it's pretty dumb. Okay. But then it was like the biggest thing ever. So like also I was um I was pretty I wasn't super overweight, but like look, I was like high all the time. I would I would eat like a pizza. You yeah. know, like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And um I weighed like 205 pounds or something mm-hmm. and like not mus- muscle. And, uh, you know, so I just looked completely different than I do now. Um, it's all around unhealth- unhealthy, like, you know, just no, nothing. Never slept. Never, didn't, didn't sleep until I was like 20. Yeah. Um, didn't sleep in high school. But no. there was no. There was no, like, event. There was no, like... Oh, no, there was. There was. So, um, I had started to come out of this. Like, I started, like, working out. I started sort of, like, getting... I started being, like, a better student, calming down a little bit. And then I... I got... uh, My school had this summer stock in Cape Cod, which was pretty amazing. And um, even though I was a little bitch and, like, just didn't... Appreciate it while I was there. What school did you go to? Ohio University. We just, for some reason, had this connection to the summer stock in Cape Cod. Um, I auditioned for the summer stock. I got in as an apprentice. And then I auditioned for, this was like the uh, spring quarter. Mm -hmm. We did quarters. And I auditioned for a play the following fall quarter. And I was the only, I was one of, I think I was the only one in my class to get like a, a part, a real part, like a a lead role in a play that following fall. You know, most, most of that was just given for like, um, seniors and, you know, whatever. So, um, everybody was very jealous of me. And, you know, I was, I was just like, 
really arrogant, throwing my weight around. I was literally fat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I had been skipping theater history class. Mm-hmm. Everybody did, but I was like being really sloppy and obvious about it. Yeah. And they found out I was skipping class. And, um, I feel like I've told this on another podcast, maybe a different podcast. I'm having deja vu. Maybe you did. Okay. Anyway, so they found, they found out I was skipping class and, um, they decided to punish me by removing me from the play. And they did, they, they did that and then replaced me without telling me first. Um, and then I found out that I was removed from the play, like in front of everybody, like in the alleyway. How did that happen? Someone told me, and everybody, everybody's like one by one. People were like, "Hey, like, did you, um, yeah?" So, like, you know, kind of like they knew something I didn't know. So, who actually, who actually told you? I don't really remember, but I remember it was in front of a lot of people. Was it like the director, or was it? I think the guy who replaced me called me uh-huh. and I got that call like while I was in like the alleyway where everyone hung out. Right. And I just remember being like so humiliated. Yeah. And then I was like, <clears throat> well, fuck all of you. I'm going to go to this summer stock job. I'm going to lose like 50 pounds and I'm going to win. And I did because there's only like two of us working mm-hmm. now. This All these years sad. later. So uh, kind of a shallow, kind of like ego-motivated uh, reason to completely change your life. But Dude, um, I feel like without <clears throat> ego-motivated reasons, no, and I don't know about no one, but I myself, I know I've told you this a million times, like my egoic-based decisions lead to some of my biggest breakthroughs that dissolve the ego. Yeah. Like you have to have a facilitator. No, yeah. I mean that, like, that thing that happened to me like gave me a burst of energy that like carried me through my whole 20s. Mm-hmm. Practically, mm-hmm. until I was twenty-five, and then I had a nervous breakdown. We don't have to go into that, but I mean, I, I don't care that we could, but I don't want to keep talking about myself. Okay, fair enough. Has anything like that ever happened to you? In terms of what? I don't know. Like a big moment where everything like fell apart. I mean, look, I've had. I mean, I certainly hope so. I mean, I left college when I was nineteen and decided to move to New York on a whim. Not, I mean, it wasn't exactly when I was very unhappy at school. Were you going to school for acting? No, you, I went to UMass Amherst and I was at some marketing business. I, I was in the business school. Did you act as a kid? No, I'd never oh. acted before. Okay. I'd never acted. I, 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 I enjoyed like in class when we'd have to put up like little skits about, I don't know, whatever the fuck. I, I like that. Like I like doing voices. I like being ridiculous. I like the attention that you I do? came with that. Yeah, come on, baby. <laughs> Um, so I like that, but I'd never acted. And to be honest with you, like my parents, even now that I think about it, my parents were like, maybe you should try theater. And I had no interest. Oh my God. No interest whatsoever. Um, to me, it it just wasn't, it didn't seem like something that people did. Like it didn't seem like a real option. Also, like I really wanted to be like, um, like if college had worked the way that I hoped that it would, I wouldn't be here. You know, like I wanted to be like, oh. I wanted to be like a business douche. I wanted to. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even know that I wanted that. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. But I wanted to like party and have girls and like all this shit in college. And none of that shit worked out that way. Yeah. <laughs> it was a miserable time. Oh, yeah. And um, I was 
I uh, my college was like two hours away from my hometown, so I was back oh, for that a sucks. weekend. I don't know, um, but yeah, man, I decided like on a whim that I was gonna move to New York, and wow. I called my best friend Jordan and I told him I was gonna move to New York, and he was like, "All right, I'm gonna hold you to it." And I started telling people at school at UMass that I was moving to New York that next semester, and nobody fucking believed me. They're like, "All right, dude, we'll see." And I just didn't come back the next semester. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. All right, dude. I had um. There's a couple things that. Yeah, what's I the w- itinerary? Um. Yeah. There's a couple things that I wrote down. So. <coughs> so first off, I. I had this idea, and I don't know how you feel about this. If we laid down like a certain amount of podcast episodes that we're gonna do. Okay. And then we can revisit them after or whatever, but. Let's not make it this like indefinite thing. We have a podcast; it's gonna go forever. It's not gonna go forever. Okay. And in that time, we're gonna try to lay out as much value, as much whatever we feel like needs to be said that we can. So, um, I was, I was thinking maybe, I don't know, how many episodes should we like commit to? I don't know. Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. A year's worth of episodes. Yeah. Great. And then That's after cool. that, we'll revisit. Probably take us longer than a year to do that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Number. Exactly. Yeah. Fifty two is good. Exactly. Um, all right. Dude. So, I was thinking. So I'm shooting this girl's headshots this next Monday, who just moved to the city. Mm-hmm. And you know, I hear like I hear her talk about stuff, and she has like no idea. Yeah. And I also had no <laughs> no idea. You know, I piece shit together. She? She's I think she's in her probably mid twenties, something okay. like that. She's from I believe Missouri somewhere. Oh. Yeah, so she's like here, and she's like, I need to get a reel. I need to, you know, just all, doing all this kind of shit. Oh my god! Yeah, man. So I can't imagine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like everything is like a blank slate. Yeah, like I'm in an improv class. You know, like every, yeah. all the shit. Um, someone who moves to the city, let's say in their mid twenties, they have some acting experience. Let's say they went to an acting program, but it didn't. They didn't get like an agent, anything like that. They move to the city. What would you do? Oh my god. Uh, keep training. So find a good class. I'd literally do it. <clears throat> How old? Let's say, let's say, let's say, fucking. Let's put him outside of playing teenage. Let's say twenty-seven. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's like almost too old to go to an MFA program, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I don't know what I would tell them to do. I, I mean, I, I, I do because I, I coach people all the time. <laughs> I, but I mean, keep training. Like you have to like that, that thing that what you just said about like, I'm in an improv class. Like, I don't know anything. I have a blank slate. Well, I'm just like, well, if you want to be an artist, like I better guess what you better like figure out what you're about artistically or like what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should just go after that and not try to like get a reel. Right. Or whatever, you know, or try to like, uh, it's casting director workshops and the, whatever. Like, I don't know. That just doesn't. Like, hollowness and desperation leads to, like, hollow and desperate results, even if you book stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. In my opinion. How would you even go about finding a good acting coach? Or a good or a good class, to be honest? Because, like, even that, to me, like, even you have to. Well, you, you do have to. You have to jump yeah. in. Um. How did I find, I mean, how did I find acting, cl- like, you know, I, 
I didn't take any, I haven't taken any, I've taken horrible acting classes, mm -hmm. but I haven't really taken any horrible classes in New York. Mm -hmm. Every class I've done, I've gotten something out of that has pointed me like deeper towards my like more uh, clear path. 100%. So, I mean, but there, but I, but luckily I didn't study at any of the horrible places. There are lots of horrible places. For so sure. I don't know how you would find those, like, you know, like the Freeman Studio is good. HP Studio has some good stuff. Um, but, like, I don't know. They're good private teachers. Like Deborah Headwall. She was the head. She's a great actor, and she was the head of the Rutgers MFA program. But, like, <clears throat> I don't know how you would find those. I just told my manager about her. I've never, taken, I've never taken class with her. She's, my friends, she's great. A couple of my friends are in her class. I took I took class with her when I first got here. Mm -hmm. And I was, <clears throat> you know, everyone likes this, like, gentle, gentle, gentle stuff. And, like, Deborah's not. And uh, I like that mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but I was, like, a sli slightly... It was, it was really good for me, but I was, like, slightly in over my head. And now that I've been working on myself in so many different ways for so many years, I feel like I could go back and, like, yeah. really... Uh, it would be really good for me. So I was contemplating doing that this fall, but I think I'm too overwhelmed with um, uh, running a whole company. That's what's up. Yeah. Dude, I am serious. Like, I'll help you in whatever capacity. Okay, thank you. That's what's up. Thanks. Um, but I don't know, but Deborah's kind of like, I don't know how like a random person with like no connections or whatever would find out about Deborah. 100%. Exactly. I mean, I've fucking been here. For, I've first started here. My friend Lucas started taking class with her a couple months ago, I think. That's the first I'd ever heard of her. Yeah, she's great. She's probably one of the last great old school teachers, you know, because she studied with Meisner and Duda Hagen. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how you find that if you don't know anybody. And, you know, um, like, as I've said eight million times, like my main teacher, Maria Desia, is the best teacher I've ever had. But it's like, kind of like, people just like to, she's one of these people that are like hidden in plain sight. Mm -hmm. People who are newer tend to go for these very obvious kind of like, you know, like a person who has no business studying with Bob Krakauer is like taking a Bob Krakauer class. 100%. And it's like, I feel like to really, you know, it's just like, you have no on-camera credits, and you're taking a Bob Krakauer class. And 100%. I'm just like, I think you should fail at on-camera for a while before you take a Bob Krakauer class. 100%. I think one of the best things that someone <clears throat> in that position can do is, through trial and error, find a, like a mentor that serves as like a stabilizing figure in Agreed. the industry. And yes. they can direct you. But it only comes things. through trial and error, and it might, it might, it might take yes. like years. So what I mean by like well, go I, to an MFA program or get training or whatever is I mean like... If you came here at 27, you'd have to commit yourself to like a three-year plan of like failure. Yeah, 100%. Um, or five years or something. But also, like, but to, to be fair, there is there is like I've always seen this industry in like New York as like people can fall into different schools. And if you rise to the top of any given school, you'll gain some kind of visibility or traction. Sure. For yeah. instance, like you go through the UCB <laughs> curriculum. You, if you get on stage at UCB – you've like followed the path of mm -hmm. the improv curriculum and you ended up getting this visibility through that. Or like some people get like fucking agents early and they're doing purely the auditioning route. They have no visibility. Like they're, they're not getting on stage themselves, but they're going the auditioning route. 
Or like, you know, the, you could get super close to a theater, for instance, and you do fucking play readings and you do all this shit and you get to know people. You go, I actually don't know if that's, uh, you probably have more insight to that than I would. But it's like a different school of like. No, I like form my own fucking company because nobody fucking puts me in any plays except once. Okay. Okay. De- <laughs> <laughs> debatable, bro. You've been working. I know, but like, not all not all the time. You know, it's like so um, <clears throat> slow. You know, dude. You know, one of the big reasons that I'm sure probably I don't know if I've told you this, but like when I was deciding whether to come back to New York or potentially mm-hmm. go to L.A., what you're building, what you've built, is like one of the most exciting things oh. in New York. Yeah, me. I'm saying what, what I'm saying, I guess, is like these f- just take, for instance, the play channel that you mm-hmm. just said. They're so clogged mm-hmm. by whatever. Right. I don't know. Actors from BFA or MFA programs, actors from certain agents, friends of friends, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, which is that's how things happen. Like people people work with who they know. But, you know, <clears throat> what else am I supposed to do? I'm just forming my own, you know, a million people have done it before. That's, dude, that's not true. And also, like, there's, this is like a certain time in history where, like, what it you're is doing a, is really hitting. Oh, thanks. It is a strange time in history. Um, dude, so one, one of my very first mentors in the city was this guy named Brian O'Neill who wrote a book called oh, yeah, Acting I did as a, a Business. I did a coaching thing with him once. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. He well, told me to go to a bunch of, like... Readings, right? Yeah. Dude, but I, then COVID happened. Great. And I, <laughs> but so I met Brian when I was 19, right? Oh, that's a, well, that's a good time to meet him or do that. Dude, the, the thing is, man, when I moved to the city, I was very naive, man. I had no idea that acting was a skill. I didn't know it was hard. I didn't know that I had to feel things or do text analysis or all this fucking bullshit. I remember the first time I, I heard someone just like believably read a script. I thought they were, it was the best acting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I had no reference. You have to understand, I had no reference. Um, so I went to this class. I found some fucking class that Brian O'Neill was doing that said like monologues and marketing or some shit like that. So I take the class and Brian's talking about like Playbill and Broadway World. This is all fucking like a different language to me. He's like, just look it up on Playbill and you'll see what plays are. I'm like, bro, dog, what the fuck is Playbill that I'm supposed to know about? Yeah, dog. <laughs> so anyway. Said, dog. I said, no, no, dude. I said, sir, what is... You said, dog man, sir? <laughs> dog. Yeah, I said, dog man, sir. What is Playbill? <laughs> what does it all mean? What is Playbill? But... Um, I'm an immigrant. <laughs> I'm about to jump into my Indian accent right now. Now it's the Russian accent. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> let me finish talking about Brian O'Neill, bro. Okay. So, so Brian is huge on the readings. And yeah, yeah. When I was 19, I would actually do it. I'd be yeah. like too afraid to talk to people. Yeah. But like I remember one time I went to a reading at Rattlestick, and the woman who had written the monologue that I auditioned with was sitting directly behind me. So, to, I mean, like, whether she was a celebrity or not, probably nobody gives a fuck. But to me, that was a celebrity because yeah. I have no frame of reference for anything. Yeah. And I was, like, too afraid to talk to her. But realistically, man, if you go to readings, like, they actually are there. Like, I mean, granted, what are you going to do with that relationship? But at the very least, you could be like, dude, I – maybe don't say dude. But you could be like, I'm a huge fucking fan. I would love to read stage directions for you. Hey, guy. 
Come on, baby. <laughs> baby, well, I do your monologue I mean, that's, every time. Well, I found it was actually just easier to form your own fucking company and then ask the playwrights you're interested in working with to like work with you or the filmmakers or whatever. Okay. So that's what I'm doing because I don't know. You know, I moved here when I was 20. I was about to turn 29. That's a strange time to move. I mean, kind of. It's a strange time to move here. What was it like? You were working in Atlanta before, right? I started in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I was there for four years. And I had a nervous breakdown. And I moved to Atlanta. And Atlanta was great. But, like, I got a manager up here, and that was before uh, Atlanta was doing self-tapes. But New York was, like, still super in-person. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, well, you have to be here in order f- to make it work. You know? And I was 28, and I'd always – I'd been – afraid of moving here and putting it off for a long time and uh so i I decided i had to do it so that's that's why i did it so you came but you came here with a few credits oh i came with a lot of credits did you have an agent here i had a manager got it and did your manager get you your agent they got me a commercial agent uh they could not get me an agent and then i went with someone that a friend referred me to you got him. That they thought was inferior. That your manager thought was inferior? Yes. And then I, I ended up dropping that man. They they were a scam. Not a scam, but like... Truly inferior. They were inferior. That's what's um, So, now I finally have an agent that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After many, many years. Okay. Okay. Let's say someone <laughs> comes to you and... You know them. They're a great actor. Mm-hmm. They're a shitty fucking auditioner. Mm-hmm. Like they don't conce- they don't understand the skill set of auditioning. Auditioning is acting. Okay, bad boy. But, th- but hold on. But there's certainly people who are good actors but not good auditioners. Why is there a difference? I think there are different skill sets. Uh, what do you mean? I do think, I mean, I think that it comes with a different set of. I think an audition is showing someone is, is doing a live rehearsal in front of someone. That's what I think an audition is. It's no different than, I think, auditions, being on set, being in the rehearsal room, being on stage. I think it's all just like a different part of the same, like, melding process and I don't think it should be it should be like assigned categories in the mind to like be like this is an audition it's like you're just working on something I agree with what you're saying but I also slightly disagree because I do think it's a skill but like for instance like the acting class that I spent many many years Mm -hmm. there would be people who were Mm -hmm. astonishing in class like truly incre- like incredible you you look at them and you go like wow that's like an actor like yeah. he can he can feel he knows what to do with text he does all this shit and then like I've done auditions with them and I'm like good lord I totally understand why you don't book <clears throat> but why don't they know how to do that by themselves well like, dude because I think that there's there's slight things that happen in auditions given the frame that are just different from acting it's like the same reason why like some theater actors maybe are not the best auditioners i think a theater audition or a or a TV film audition is like practically the same thing as being on a set for a film or a television show. In a close-up, yes. Yeah, in a close-up, yes. But an audition is only close-up. 
Well, a theater audition would be a wide shot or something. Right. Yeah, I just think it's the same. I think like what you're doing with an audition, creating the whole thing when it's not really that. Which I don't know. That's there's no fucking difference from stage two because you're not really there. You're on a set mm-hmm. on a stage. Yes. Like, <clears throat> but I think a, an audition is like well, it's the same principle of of like when you're on a set. There's like fifty crew members and there's a camera right there. Mm-hmm. What's the difference about being in like a rehearsal room with a couple people at a table and like a, a camera going on you? It's the same thing. I think. Dude, I you're what you're saying is right. <laughs> and yet there's like I feel like there were there were many years when I felt competent as an actor, but definitely not competent as an auditioner. But Ultimately, after enough practice of both, they it just becomes it one different step of all the same thing. Yes, yes, I I agree. And to be honest with you, so you're talking about how would you like how would a person who's newer or whatever deal with this? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, more or less. I I think more or less. I I think the sooner you can adopt that mindset and stop separating them, the better. Because if I just started with this mindset, like everything's everything. And we're all really where we're at, and that's like what we're dealing. Those are the raw materials of like what we're artistically doing. I would have, <coughs> excuse me. Um, that would have saved me years of like muscling and pretending. Okay, but don't you feel like it's so hot in here? <sighs> you okay? Yeah, it's okay. I'm fine. Don't you feel like? I'm not gonna say don't you feel like I feel like. Um, no, ask me what I feel. No, no, you can tell me what you feel, but, but, to me, like, treating auditioning se- as a separate skill set, honestly, mm-hmm. ga- like for instance, like you do, you're reading with a casting director, and it's an emotional moment. They give you literally less than nothing. They t- they like ah wah, wah, I don't know how. Like they gave you some fucking ridiculous voice, mm-hmm. or they gave you some like, and you're like this is gonna take me so far out of it like so you, you to me it's like you can't exactly say it's acting because you're literally fighting against the circumstances but that's part of what's happening in the mo- like i would i would i would find a creative springboard off of fighting against the circumstances 100 percent, 100 percent. so i think it's all the same thing and that that what you're talking about i think comes with a lot a lot of reps like i would be like if i was like there and frustrated by whatever, that would be the whole source of my creativity in the moment. Which would not be the same thing when I'm on set. I mean, maybe it would. Maybe it would also be frustrated on set. But I'm frustrated all the time on set. So do you not work technically at all when you audition? What do you mean? What do you define as technically? Like physical, like, like pre, preconceived physicality? Uh, I do a lot of process so all anything that's coming to me is like an organic thing that's already inside of me or is influenced by like images, thoughts, and feelings I've had so that the moment is like a organic occurrence of where I would be at in my process. Does that make sense? I do yeah. a lot of prep that is, I guess, technical, but like I don't say... 
I hardly ever am like, oh, and his uh, shoulders like this, and I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm not there yet. We're just at the audition. That would take me like a lot, you know. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I almost don't fully believe you. I really make like almost no external choices. So you, the scene is Claude walks into the bar. Uh-huh. He sees that he, he glances at the bartender. He's <clears throat> ordering his drink. Yeah. This is all implied. You're telling me that like there's there's no you have no idea about how you're gonna start the scene. What look no, walking I've, into the bars? I practiced be- the scene mm-hmm. or whatever many times yeah. and created a lot of like what I call images, thoughts, and feelings around it. Then I say I'm jumping off a cliff, and then I don't know what's happening. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's amazing, but mm-hmm. I think it's pretty like. I actually like that it's like unamazing. It's just what's happening. I'm trying to like unamazify my thoughts about acting because I think why I don't book is because I make my acting too special sometimes. Does that make sense? Uh, Like the more that you're like, I am doing a scene, the less they'll want to book you. Explain that. Um, It's like, what is it like? It's, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's like people who are like, I'm like, me included <laughs> the people it's just like i'm doing an audition this audition mm-hmm. this scene it's like it's not like real life not that not that <clears throat> not the tv shows or films or whatever they're quite artificial but like the more i think the more you can um the le- like the less special you can make it and the less like um the the more it comes from like the inside rather than anything um that you're trying to do it it's it's i it's i think what like people who don't know what they're talking about call it like do nothing mm-hmm. or throwing away the words mm-hmm. when really that means your preparation and your experience that you're having is so fluid yet concrete at the same time that the words are falling out of you in this circumstance it's like i i think that's what people mean when they say throw away the words you're not throwing the way because you've done all of this like deep imaginative like dropping in work around the words so that the words aren't important because you're having like an image feedback loop going on in you all the time and the words are kind of like circling around what's going on underneath rather than the opposite rather than like running out to the words and being like words i'm auditioning see how good i am it's that's something i've done for a really long time and i'm trying to fight against that now not fight against it i'm trying to release it 
I hate that word. Fight against it. Release it. I hate all these words that imply there's like a lack of something. Mm-hmm. Like the other day in my class, like people in my class kept saying like the words truthful and connection. And I was like, I was like, uh, this is what Deborah Headwall said. She was like, yeah, it's truthful. It's not enough. <laughs> She's like, we're all truthful. It's pretty hard to like not like everybody can kind of like be truthful. Yep. Basically, unless mm-hmm. you like suck or something <laughs> like, you know. And I'm just like, it's not enough, like, truthful. Like, yeah, Meisner was about truth in, like, 1955, and now it's 2023. There's something, like, we've psychologically moved beyond it. Like, and um, then connection, I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, how was that? And some, I'm not criticizing my students, but I'm just, <coughs> you know, a, a, lot, a lot of people do this. They're like... They're like, well, I felt uh, connected. Well, that it has an implication that you were at some point disconnected, and that's impossible because you're present all of the time. All you can have is a feeling of disconnection. It's just a feeling. It's impossible to be disconnected. Or when people say, I was outside of myself. No, you weren't. That's impossible. You weren't outside of yourself. You had a feeling of being outside of yourself. And that's your creative springboard. How amazing is it that you felt outside of yourself? So weird and strange. Oh, what an interesting feeling to like have a unknown thing occur to you while you're acting. Do you feel like you need to have the awareness to understand where you are in order to be able to use it? The awareness to understand where you are. For example, the idea that like you're you're always present, you're never actually disconnected. You just feel like you're disconnected. Yeah. But in order to use that feeling of disconnection, you have to be aware that here I am. This is what's happening to me in this moment. You have to be aware that you're feeling disconnected. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that and then that's like the springboard into. If you're a, if you're a person who's obsessed with being aware of what do you know what I'm saying? Everyone like works it at a different level. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm very I'm very very comfortable, and I think the greatest acting comes from like not knowing. Right. Which is, which I think not knowing is being able to like peg where you're at at any moment, but 100%. not really like holding on to it at all. 100%. Whereas some people are working through, some people really, really uh, are uncomfortable being unaware. Right. Or something. Um, uh, and some people really want to know like where they're at all the time. But in their. <clears throat> in their grasping to know where they're at, they're often not uh, really seeing how they're feeling. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? 100%. Because like, the, saying like, well, I felt disconnected. I'm like, no, you feel something else that you don't want to understand because of whatever. And so you're saying disconnected because this is a blanket term that everybody says all the time. In those moments of disconnection, if somebody were to identify their disconnection in the moment, is it up to them to mine where they're actually at? Yeah. This is dude, this what what you're talking about right now is why I love the improv shit so much because it's yeah, a full it's, exercise yeah. in exactly where you are and how to use it well, in every given moment. Yeah, the entire like the the setting up of all this stuff is that so you can you can have a prepared thing that feels like improvisation, right? Like that's but it's also like literally moment to moment. Me and you talking right now. Oh fuck! I'm trying to like impress you on this yeah. podcast. Are we, you? No. But I mind that. Like uh-huh. that's the, like I, I'm unco- I'm shy. I feel awkward. I yeah. feel whatever. You mind that shit, and then from there, this that the 
you get the springboard into like the the greater service of the scene. Yeah, because you have to just get comfortable. I mean, not comfortable, but you have to like just uh, get to know all of the feelings, mm-hmm. not just the ones you like mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And you have to get like really, really, you know, not smarter, but like, I don't know what I'm saying. Okay. No, I I get it. Like smarter and dumber at the same time. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like m- more aware of the full spectrum of what's going on inside. But like of you. less attached to it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, good <clears throat> dude. Because we don't, dude. We don't. We, I don't want to. Like in in my day to day life, I don't want to admit that I feel fucking pathetic and that I'm trying to impress you. But mm-hmm. it is the thing that makes the scene interesting. Yeah, sure. And my awareness of it is the thing that makes the scene interesting. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I don't know what that was. Um trailing off of but it doesn't need to trail off from anything yo how would you this is gonna sound like a insane question but sometimes i I, th- I think like i think about the advice that i could give someone who's like a, a say a good actor who um who's been at it for a while who's in his late 20s who's unrepped who doesn't have like the credits yeah. how would they move damn it's not it's not easy and there's no one size fits all anything but there is like if <coughs> if that were you and you were committed and you were committed to this life and you were like look dude like I'm not going to change careers I'm I'm in it I would just focus on acting and not the business of acting God. other other than the, the rudimentary uh things you have materials you have to have or yes. whatever it's like you know You've got your headshots and some footage and a self-tape set up. I don't know. And then you just, you focus on the acting and you make like, because the people I'm becoming close with, like a lot of the casting directors I'm close with now are also, they're not just like casting directors that have nothing to do with, uh, like I have a casting director friend who's a Michael Chekhov teacher and he's a writer and he's adapted all of Chekhov's play. It's like we have a million things in common. Right. So I'm becoming close with people like that right? rather than someone who can just give me a job mm-hmm. like we're making something together you know right and um so i would just focus on i would i would i would learn all these acting processes that i'm talking about and like focus on relationships mm-hmm. rather than um You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If I can add one more thing, man. I um I've known a lot of people who were really good actors, wanted to act, who were in class, and I look at their IMDb, man, and it's bare. And yeah. I gotta be honest with you, bro. Like that, I think there's very little excuses for. Like I think that you should no, be I'm working. Just like, why you are should you not be short films, but you should be working like, at the like. Yeah. So what? You're not on a fucking series, but you should be working at the absolute highest level that you're accepted into. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's what I when a, when a lot of people come to me and they're like, um, "Oh, actors access." I'm like, I've booked feature film. Like I've booked like network television and feature films and like independent films with amazing directors off of actors access casting directors and whoever are casting on there all the time Mm -hmm. and i'm just like i'm still on there all the time yep and like uh 
there's so much, you know, and it's just like, if you don't have IMDb credits, why are you not like, you're not really active. You're not not really in it. Yeah. Like if you've never done a, if you're 29 or if you're 30 and you've been studying for, I don't know, four years, five years, or you have a degree or whatever, and you have like one short film IMDb credit, you're like entirely unfamiliar with like the most uh, common medium of what we work in. Yeah, man. And you just expect to get an agent or something. Yeah, dude. Dude, there's um, there's this guy that I knew from HB named Eric Rausch. Have you ever heard of this guy? He's a teacher. No, he's he was he he. I don't know him. He's an older actor, really good. He has like hundreds of credits, man. No, maybe not hundreds, but like around a hundred. Yeah. But they're all like self-found. Yeah. And, and some um, people are like that. And he's. And, and the thing is, he like he started older, you know. It's like yeah. it's a hard, it's hard, man. Yeah. When you start older, whatever. But right now, he's he's one of the actors with Krimov. Like he found, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like he found his, he's found his way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and every, like everything's different for everybody. Hundred like, I mean, percent. As long as he's like, I think the problem with everything is like everyone sets up. Um, I mean, it's about fulfillment. That sounds pretty fulfilling. A hundred percent. And like, he's making a living. Like he yeah. teaches also, and he's mm-hmm. making a living teaching. Working with, I'd much rather work with Krimov than uh, practically anyone. A hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Like, uh, you know, fuck it. So yeah, fucking, dude. what if you're not a fucking recurring guest? <laughs> it's all fucking crap. But 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 I think I I brought him up to the point of like, if you're working, at some, like I don't know very many people with like all the actors that I think of who are in like their twenties, thirties, forties that are like. This why can't I get an agent? Why can't I get this? Why can't I? Why isn't this happening? They also have like very few credits. Like they're not. I don't know. I know very few they have people. Very that few have, credits, and they also know nothing about like film. So, but I know very like I know very few people with forty credits that aren't moving in their career. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something will happen. Like you create movement, and movement you, happens. Are you talking about me? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> why well, I have about forty credits. Well, God bless. That's what's up. Stuff is happening for you, you fucking... I know, I'm joking. I just feel like... Wow, he's like self-deprecating guy. I can't believe it. Wow, look at these paintings. That's what's up. Yeah, my boyfriend made them. (laughs) Wow, he has a boyfriend. People like him romantically. That was me once. One person likes me romantically. One person likes me romantically, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, what do you... um? I'm just gonna start, and then you can. Uh-huh. Start. I'm not gonna ask yeah. you fucking questions. <laughs> okay. Is that how I talk? No, no. I, that's how I talk. That? That's how I talk. Okay, dude. That's what's up. You were getting drunk, dude. That's what's up. <laughs> I'm a little drunk. At least I am. I decided a couple of days ago that I was gonna. I felt through a lot of my life, I felt a lot of fear like in general fear of situations and like totally. I, I, yeah. I wrestled too and like that caused me I think like I felt fear <clears throat> all the time and like I got very good at covering the fear up with this like kind of what would come off as arrogance or like aloofness or like too cool for school oh, amazing improv skills that that came way <laughs> later um modesty baby come on um but I mean because I was intimidated by you the first time I met you Thank you. Is that is that what you're talking about? No, I think the first time you met me, I was actually not aloof at all. I was was I? Well, there's something about 
your like quickness and wit that kind of uh to me may I was like, Oh, this guy's quicker than me. Like so it's a kind of aloofness. Interesting. I th- I vaguely remember that day. I didn't think that I was playing aloofness then. I don't I, remember the day. I don't remember what where we were at or what. I we love how I remember this day better than you do. Um, Wait, was it at that funky uh, church thing? Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah, really yeah. elaborate looking. Yeah, church. Me yeah. and Ryan met catering. Um, but so anyway, so I developed this capacity to come off as like aloof or like a lot of people would say that I come off as really arrogant. Like a lot, I get a lot of like, when I first met you, I thought you were really arrogant. I didn't think that, but right. Yeah. But th- this is a common theme in my life. And when I was in my like 21, 22, 23, I developed like this, like I wore, I always wore all black. Like I oh developed this, like the, I, I like really leaned into this, this like cool aloof, guy. cool. Yes. Aloof, cool guy thing. And I think, I mean, over the years, I hope acting isn't cool. As my first <laughs> acting teacher said to me, it's Stella Adler, bro. <laughs> it was. It was your first acting teacher was Stella Adler. No, her name was Shelley Delaney. Okay, it's a sick name. A couple of days ago, I decided that I'm gonna give. I'm gonna consciously try to give up all last remnants of like trying to be cool. Yeah. Because I still think that I feel like I feel it like at parties, for instance, when like I have no one to talk to. You go. I don't know how to go, fit in. You go to parties? Barely. But I don't. Um. But anyway, I decided yeah. I'm going to give that up. Good. And yeah. uh, yesterday I went to the first party funk social gathering, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to, if ever I feel like an impulse to be cool, I'm just going to relieve all pressure. Like, I'm not that, like, I don't need to do any of that anymore. And when I would have no one to talk to and I felt, like, awkward, it would I would, like, remind myself that, and it would create this, like, fucking giddiness in me. Like, there's <clears> no more, like, you don't have to be, like, any, you don't yeah. have to be that guy at all anymore. What's wrong with feeling awkward or not knowing what to say? It's fine. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's totally fine unless coolness is like your defense mechanism and it's wired into your fucking body and you don't know how to show up in the world without it. I'm like literally so uncool that I'm just uncool. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that that's like. I guess I haven't uh, observed you socially. Isn't that crazy, dude? We've never. Have you not? No. Where? Well, I don't do, I mean, like, all of my, I don't go to parties. all of my, I, d- I mean, I do occasionally, but, like, you know, this shit is, like, so consuming. It's just, like, I'm just organizing events all the time, and then my social activities are, like, getting a drink with, it's, like, going to film form and seeing a movie, and then, like, getting, going to Julius mm. with, like, a friend. That's what's up, Dirty Julius. Yeah, that is dirty. Talking about right? Dirty Julius, dog. Who is Julius? What's his deal? I don't know Julius Caesar maybe. Oh, I don't know what it's named after. I like it's a that. gay bar that I took. That I took David. <laughs> I took. I took David. I took. I took David. 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 Dog. I took David to this gay bar and um, he was like, "Wait, the waiter calls you baby here." It was like, so nice. It felt so sweet. The, the guy, that one waiter is really sweet. Yeah. Oh, but I didn't. We didn't finish the topic. What was the topic? What? What do you had like a question or a topic or something? What do you so like realistically in the next several months? Uh, I want to give up every semblance of coolness. Cool. Is there something like like is there something that you not career wise goals but like life spirituality goals like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, 
I want to like with taking on all of these I have like two choices. I can um with taking on all these endeavors with adult film, I can literally like have a nervous breakdown about them or I could just like be like and what if things just fell apart? You know, just like letting go. Um and I I woke up in the middle of the night the other night. Uh, like adult film is giving me like two 4 a.m. wake ups this week. Can't keep can't. I can't. 4 a.m. wake ups? Yeah. About what? Well, 4 a.m. is when um I think when you're sleeping uh, oh, I see. Not someone woke you up at 4 a.m. Yeah, like, you know, when you're yes. sleeping up until 4 a.m., you, you process, like, your day that you've had, and then around around 3 or 4, you start processing, like, your deeper emotions. And I wake up at that time a lot and, uh, and like, am, like, seized by thought. Um, but that's my choice. Yeah, but it's crazy you say that. For two months, I was waking up at that time, and I don't anymore. Yeah, it, co- it comes in ebbs and flows for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, more wine. Um, my, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night the other night, and I was still kind of, like, we're doing the seagull, and the woman playing Arcadena decided to uh, drop out, and which is fine, it's fine, but, like, you know, Every two days, there's, like, some unanticipated thing that I'm, like, creates, like, a couple more hours of work for me that, you know, um, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was like, Arcadena, who's gonna, you know, and everything takes, like, it's taking care of itself already, like, I'm auditioning a few great people, it's gonna be fine, but, like, that moment after something happens, the challenge is to just, like, be with the uncertainty and, like, not know how it's gonna wrap itself up. And it's okay. It's just a, it's just like a fake gay company that I made, and it's like no one's, no one's judging me <laughs> about it except me, you know. And like, uh, I just like to apply that in like a larger sense to my life. And um, I also had this um, thought that night that I woke up. I was like, you know, I do this. I do this app called The Pattern. We talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I do the pattern and like for all of 2024, um, it's supposed to be these huge like career change, abundance and confidence, connections of destiny. So 2024 is supposed to be this really huge year for me. And I thought that getting this play I was up for was like the the kickoff of that sort of. Uh, because I'm currently in a thing called a new chapter, and it's a nine-month period that leads up to this suppose, supposed uh, uh, period of change. It's not supposed to this is real life, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, yes. But anyway, so I just, I just thought, I was like, my birthday's March 30th, and I was just like, if that year goes, if March 2025 rolls around, and like there has not been some like change, like really... I'm going to like soft quit acting. It's just a thought that I had. And I just like laid there with the thought for like two hours and saw and thought about how it made me feel, which, you know, and then I unpacked it more and I was like, maybe that doesn't mean quitting adult film. Maybe that doesn't even mean quitting acting, but like, I don't know, quitting like 
expectation and attachment and like perhaps the business of acting, like everything that I have to do for the business of acting has been done. It's been done. Like there's nothing else I'm going to do aside from maybe like some kind of relationship coming up and like uh, maybe reaching out for a referral for a better like management team or, you know, something like that. Like there's nothing else I can do. Um, All of my creative relationships are also now business relationships, which is great, you know? And I'm just like, maybe I'm just saying to myself that I should quit. I should soft quit all that now and just kind of be like, well, I'm just acting. I'm not doing the business of acting because it makes me, you know, my therapist said, he was like, well, you probably wouldn't be feeling so much pain about not getting this play if you hadn't had any expectation, which like it's, uh, and like, he's not crazy. Like, obviously it's almost like humanly impossible to have like, uh, not have some kind of expectation, but like, you know, could I have just been auditioning for that for two months and just been enjoying working on it without this like outcome? Could you have? I could have, you know, because all of our culture and our stupid culture is always just like, you're going to get it. Visualize that you're going to get it. Manifest. And that's what I'm talking about, the specialness of acting. I don't think anything that happens to you should be more special than something else that happens to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything should just like be happening. You're talking about like the highest Zen principle. Good luck, bro. Well, I mean, you know. No, for dude, I I completely agree with you, but like. But it's like when I go to Maria and I'm like, I feel so horrible I'm not getting this play, and then she says something like. But the fact that you like prepared and worked and did a character for like t- you, the fact that you basically prepared the role as if you had gotten the role, that's like that creates like grooves in your process that will benefit you down the line. And she can say that because this has happened to her however many million times, you know, but I'm still like, I know what you're saying. I just don't like feel it. So I'd rather just like feel it. I don't know. hundred percent dude. So that, that kind of like that kind of like idea, I'm working on, um, things around that idea this like this like vision of waking up at four in the morning and be like i want to quit i want to quit uh i want to quit something so does that come do you think that because to me like hearing you talk about it it almost comes like uh what develops i think is like this like there's nothing to lose this to it yeah correct and i think it's (laughs) like so it's almost like and i guess this goes back to like the first question you asked of like of um like what would someone do who's starting i would i would just be like somehow get these principles and values when you start rather than spending 10 years like uh in pain or something dude i think they gotta expedite the pain and dive in harder and faster and take the rejections and take the rejections dude i like well all the pain is me avoiding like really because like if i just accepted the rejection the pain would be over quicker but I like to elongate the pain because I have a negative bias. You like to elongate the pain because you have a negative bias? What well, does that mean? A negative bias provides certainty. It's just like if I know that I fucking suck and couldn't get that play and whatever, I'm fucking certain about that. 
and that gives me certainty. Rather than buying what Maria is saying and being like, yeah, people do that all the time. You learn something by uh, working on it. That's not as certain. How do I know that I learned something by spending this much time on this thing? Yeah. I don't know. But what can be certain is I fucking suck and uh, I fucked up. I can be certain of that. Dude, this there was a stand-up comedian that did the ABC showcase with me. And one time we bumped into each other in Brooklyn and we had this bizarre quick conversation. And he basically told me that like, one of the smartest things I've ever heard, he was like, the people that win in this, the entertainment industry in general, are the people that like decide that negative emotion, they're like the best at handling negative emotion. And the yeah. people that are the quickest and fastest and like, I accept this fully, I'm going to deal with it and it's not going to shut anything down and I'm going to keep moving. And it's like, this, this, there, this game is like a, a negative emotional game. And how do you handle it? Because there have been many, ma- like there have been, bro, when I was in my mid-20s, I made this pilot called Quarter Life. Mm-hmm. And I had like several big manager meetings. Yeah. And like, dude, I had like an audition every six months. Yeah. I was in like, uh, dude, something needs to change. Yeah. And I had like one manager meeting and it was a big, and it was through a referral and like he reached out and like we had that meeting, never heard back from him again. Yeah. Then I had a meeting at Abrams. Yeah. He saw me in the pilot, uh-huh. called me in. He's like, give me a list of casting directors that you know. I'm going to follow up with them. He emailed me back. He's like, I talked to all the casting directors. Sorry, it's not going to work. Ooh. Yeah, man. But are you with Abrams now? This was, I mean, I was 25. I'm 32 yeah. now. Okay. So when did you end up getting with them? Two, three, three years ago. Oh, okay. Dude, but like, and these, these were moments that like, dude, if this is broken to this level, this man called casting directors. Yeah. He was like, I liked you. I like you in the pilot. Let me follow up and see. Called the cast directors and said, actually, dude, never mind. <laughs> but that's like dark. Yeah. That's like realistically. I remember. And then that, that's like your employment. Yes. Yeah. And then I had I had one of my best friends was at Innovative. And uh. he, he was very close with the, his agent at Innovative. And I had a sketch comedy show that I was doing then. And his agent asked my friend. He was like, does David want to meet with Innovative? And I was like, of course, David wants to meet with fucking Innovative. I met with Innovative. Met with three agents at Innovative. I was like, bro, this is, I'm in, I'm in right? So I, um. They asked this me is to take this something. is like play I was up for. They asked me They're to tape like, something. They're like, we're going to have you. <laughs> yeah, so they asked me to tape something. Don't hear back. Three weeks later, the agent calls me. He's like, dude, I'm like really sorry, but like, and I remember like fucking sitting at Starbucks afterwards, being like, dude, you've been like you've been in dark holes before, where nothing like where you have no way to climb out of this shit, and something would happen, and yeah. I guess it's gonna happen again. Um. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about? You want to talk about um, goals for adult films? You want to talk about bodybuilding goals? You want to talk about your deadlift? You want to talk about... I don't deadlift because I have a bad knee. Pussy. Sorry, just kidding. Not pussy. Pussies are very strong, actually. Uh, penis. Brazilians. Uh, big. <laughs> big penis. I'm going to talk about my cock goals. Uh, <laughs> I've been stretching every day, man. Every day. Uh, fitness goals. Uh, I gained 20 pounds. A lot of it is in muscle. Daddy. I mean. <laughs> Bro, you guys know homosexuals call each other dad? 
That shit. <laughs> that shit is crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, just playing with the male archetypes, you know, it's, it's healthy. Yeah, daddy's like, never call your father daddy. You call him dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be creepy if you called your father daddy. Yeah, right. Especially, especially but it's not creepy dad. if you if you call someone you absolutely don't know at all. It's just, you know, dad sounds like a thing in his late fifties. Like, like dad, dad, dad's like a fucking post. Um, <laughs> that is what they do. Uh, f- uh, body, s- what? Nothing. <laughs> Bodybuilding goals. Um, sex with animals by twenty fourteen. <laughs> 2020 by 2014. In the past. In the past. Uh, my goal is to go back in time. Okay. Uh, move to New York when I was uh, 22 instead of 21. Got it. Instead of going to Chicago. My goal. No, I'm kidding. Because um, that's not what happened. Um, I want to gain... Like three pounds in muscle and lose four pounds in fat. Who the fuck's measuring that? Who's gonna be the judge of that? Me. I can tell. I gained four pounds of muscle, but I lost three pounds <laughs> of fat. Um, are we gonna be taking body fat measurements, or are we just gonna be eyeballing the muscle gain and the I'm fat just eyeballing, loss? Eyeballing. Okay. Great. Um, so that's body. That's fitness goals. Okay. Um. Anything else? I mean, there's just tons of stuff going on with adult film, and uh, my goal is to not uh, be overwhelmed by it or to deal with the overwhelm better. You're going to have a lot of overwhelm. How are you going to, how would you like to deal with it? I need more help from people who want to be involved. Yeah. This is, uh, it's okay. I'll figure it out. All right. Um, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I want to say that like we, we're going to be recording every week and um, we God, want to... God bless. Yeah. God bless. God willing. Rest <laughs> in peace. Um, <laughs> but if there's anything that anybody who's listened this far that you want us to hear us talk about conjecture about any way that we can help. Um, yeah, we don't know what the podcast is about. Yeah, really. we do. Yeah, oh. we do. Oh, okay. Bitch, maybe you know, I do. I th- what is it about? I think that, look, I think if we, we sign up for 52, I think we should try to give back as much as we humanly can, knowing yeah. that we're not like finished things. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like it. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem means praise the Lord in Hebrew. Anyway, so if I know I I looked that up while I was doing research for the the play that I didn't get. (laughs) Okay, so messages. Um, and then I think I'm gonna make a separate like intro, maybe outro. Okay. Um. Okay. We love you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Love you. Bye. (laughs)